Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWolfOnSport.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Good evening and good day to all CFL, non-CFL, and everybody that might be picking up an odd signal on shortwave radio in the middle of the Atlantic. I am your fill-in host tonight, Charles Cliff, and welcome to Let's Talk CFL, episode number 436. Yeah, there's been 436 of these. Uh, starting back in 2016, we've been doing this for like four years now. And we're around this time where we started this show, because I remember we started this show right before the beginning of the 2016 CFL season. And here we are, week one of training camp for the 2020 season. Only that's not exactly how it's going right now. Yes, of course, as it has with pretty much everything else in the world, COVID-19 had other plans for the CFL season. We don't know if we're going to get a CFL season. You know what? But the strange thing is, I'm probably far more optimistic about having a CFL season now than I was about two weeks ago. I don't know. Call me crazy. The numbers, at least in Canada, we won't talk a lot about the U.S. because they're screwed down there. Uh, but a lot of the way in Canada, we are going in the right direction. Today in British Columbia, we had our lowest day since the beginning of March. Two new cases. And we've been in single digits in three days straight, and I believe in four of the last six days. And this has been the lowest by far, two cases. So, I mean, we're not there yet. I'm not saying we're there yet. And we're not going to be there still for a little while still. We're not out of the woods. But... I think the tide is starting to turn in the right direction. People got to be smart about this. They got to be, things are starting to reopen. We just had our, we're going, we're in day one of what they call phase two here in BC. And we're starting to see some stuff open. Some restaurants are starting to open with limited capacity. Uh, Hair salons are starting to open. Other businesses starting to open this week. Uh, They've all got a lot stricter guidelines now than what we had, of course, two months ago. Uh, But they are starting to go. But uh, you still got to be careful out there. We um, got to be um, still working on the social distancing. Don't go up to everybody and breathe on people. Uh, If the situation warrants it, wear a mask. Um, We still can't have huge groups. We can't have a big... 50-person party, they say keep it, uh, you know, 10 or less if you can. They have said we can start um, expanding our bubble, whatever that means. I guess that means we can start seeing a few more people, but they still want us to stay away from each other. So you can see people from a distance or whatever. But I think we are starting to go, we're not obviously at the end game at all, but we're going in the right direction. Now, that kind of segues into what I said earlier, that I'm more optimistic about the CFL having a season. Uh, 
sports leagues are having to be creative. We're hearing the term hub city has been said probably more in the last two weeks than it has in the previous six months. But you know what? They're thinking outside the box, and I know there are people in the CFL uh, ownership ranks and offices that are hell-bent to have some sort of season this year, and I think that there'd be the driving forces. I think David Braley is one of them here in Vancouver, and he's going to be pushing for a CFLC. We're going to address that, some of his comments from the last week, along with lots of other things. Yeah, it's not going to be all COVID. We're going to start doing, like, some sort of previews and talking about football on the assumption that at some point this year we will get football. But uh, I am more optimistic than I was two weeks ago. But, I mean, hey, I'm not 100% uh, believing, yeah, we're definitely going to have a season, but I think the chances have gone up in the last few weeks. But you know what? There's still a long way to go and lots of stuff to figure out. But, hey, that's life. we just got to keep plugging along and uh, do what we can do. And I'm going to do what I can do now because we got two other people on the line with me tonight. I should point out right before I go to them that our regular host, uh, Christopher Jones, CJ, he is off tonight. Uh, he's going uh, away, going on some sort of road trip or something. I don't know exactly what he's doing, uh, but uh, he runs a farm, so those people, you know, they'll go around and they'll pick up stuff. And do. I'm not sure what he's doing, but he's not available tonight, which is why I'm stepping in as guest host. And now I'm going to bring in my two other co-panelists from Manitoba and Alberta. First, we'll go to Manitoba. We'll go east to west. Start with Mark in Winnipeg. Good evening, Mark. How are you tonight? Hold on a second. Did that work? Yeah, Yeah, it did. Okay. It worked. Yeah, Yeah. I'm here. Uh, No, doing well, doing well. Like I was saying earlier, that's nice and warm, finally. Yep. I should be... Yeah, I should be chilling out, though, in the sun, in the stadium, watching the guys running around, especially all the guys I've never heard of before and I'll never see again. It's always fun to rag on them. But mm-hmm. I guess we don't get to do that. No, not right now we don't. No. Kind of sucks and because with, it was supposed to start two days ago, but, hey, it is what yeah. it is. And with the COVID stuff, like, the one nice thing about being on the prairies is we are as flat as the prairie. Uh, yeah. We've had one new case in the last week. Yeah. So That's good. I mean, yeah, it's certainly a lot more, um, certainly a lot uh, less prevalent in the prairies there than we're we're seeing even here in BC, but certainly more than uh, uh, you know, places like Ontario and Quebec where they're yeah they're getting it's funny because you look at it and in both Canada and the U.S. The East Coast is far worse off than the West Coast because you look at places like, uh, of course, in the U.S., down in like New York, New Jersey, and some of those states, they're getting slammed. While California, that has even more population than New York, they're way down the list in terms of total cases. I'm guessing it's probably got something to do with climate and so on, but they're just, uh, and I think it's a lot, a little bit more open than, say, places like New York and so on, so... Yeah. I guess that has something to do with it because all up uh, uh, down the, um, like, wa- uh, not just California, but Oregon and Washington State. Washington State, when this COVID stuff started, was one of the major hotspots. And now they're way, way down the list in terms of cases. They're they're really low like we are here. But, um, yeah, it's interesting how the East is getting it worse off than the West is. So, yep. uh, I'm not going to complain because we got the, the long end of the stick on that one. 
All right, so we're going uh, now to Alberta, and we're going to bring in Will. Good evening, Will. How are you tonight? I'm good. Um, yep. You know, Mark talking about weather. You know, I I managed to finish my yard this weekend on the long weekend, put all my furniture out, and and because of this COVID thing, I think I'm going to spend most of my summer sitting in my backyard. Yeah. Um, but we're getting in what's happening tomorrow. Apparently, we're going to get torrential downpour for four or five days. So at least my furniture will get a good washing because I won't be able to sit on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I keep on thinking about this COVID, and I don't want to. I don't want to sound negative. I, I tend to wonder when you talk about different places in the states, and and some are hotbeds and some aren't. I wonder if it tends to be population, how close we live together, and so on and so forth. And just before the podcast, as you guys know, we were talking about this, and and I think you guys said the states had ninety eight thousand deaths or something like that. I think it's ninety two. And I don't. And I don't mean to downplay it, but that's zero point zero 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 two six percent of their population. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. And it's. So I I don't want to say it's nothing because obviously those 92 or 98,000 people had families attached to them and so on and so forth. But I just really think, and we'll never be able to tell if we over-responded or not because there's no proof the other way. Right. You know, would it be triple, quadruple, or whatever if we didn't do anything? So that's all I'm going to say about that. I just, I just want to get back to some kind of normalcy. Yep. And uh, I'm just, I'm just getting a little tired and sick of this. I can't see my grandkids, and I'd like to see my grandkids, and so on and so forth. So, mm-hmm. and I'd like to get busy at work again. Of course, but everyone we will. shall see what happens. Yeah, everybody does, or a majority of people do. Yep. And I shouldn't complain because I'm still working and Mark, how long have you been sitting at home now? I have been off since March seventeenth, I think was the last day I worked. Okay. And uh you're not going nuts yet? Um I didn't say that. Yes I'm going nuts. Oh. Okay. Yes. Okay. At least you have nice weather and you can go for lots of walks if you want to. Yeah. This is the longest I've been off work since I was 16. Yeah. I bet you. I bet you. And when everything gets going, will that hotel come back or not? We still have bookings for October that oh, okay. haven't been canceled. Uh, there's some stuff in September. I haven't heard anything about that, but I know October there's stuff that hasn't canceled. Unfortunately, these are big events, like five, six, seven hundred people. Yeah. So unless they drop the social distancing, they're not going to happen. Right. So I hope Trudeau is going to keep paying me for several months. Well, I know the the uh, extended the Canadian uh, emergency response center. I think it's at least until the end of August, if I'm not mistaken. I know they extended the other day. I think until yeah. the end of August, but I'm not positive. Yeah. 
Like, thankfully, I'm cheap as you can get. So we've barely even touched either. The, I've gotten two CERB payments, and we've barely even touched them. Mm-hmm. I, I work in a very up-and-down industry, so I always make sure I have money around somewhere. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And my biggest issue real- now is I'm – go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm I'm having trouble finding laborers because they are the lower paid people on the totem pole and they're making more money sitting they're at making home. more money doing nothing. And so far Playing there's video only been games. one premier that's made, said, uh, made a comment about that. Pallister here constantly harps about that. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So I don't know. I'm just sick of the whole thing, but that's just me. I think everybody is. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know what I found? I found more and more people are verbalizing it. Yep. That weren't before. And a perfect example of how things have changed. This Saturday, I went to my garden center that I go to every year and buy all the plants for my for my yard, and. They have a 20,000 square foot facility, and they were letting in 15 people at a time. Do you know how long people take to pick their plants at this time of the year? They could take hours. I stood in line for two and a half hours. And and it was quite interesting because half the lineup was people wearing masks and rubber gloves. And the other half of the lineup was nothing. And we were all talking to each other and blah, 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 blah. And all these people were wearing masks and giving us dirty looks that we were talking to each other. We were still six feet apart. Yeah. But you can talk when you're six feet apart, okay? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And and it was it was it was quite interesting the whole dynamic. And I and and the neatest thing was most of the people that were talking were older people, and most of the people that were covered up were younger people. And I guess it really should be opposite, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, because older people, people are more susceptible. Right. Yes. But maybe we've all decided we've lived too long already, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> Who knows? And I and and I have a. I have a good time everywhere, and I did have to stand in line for two and a half hours, but all the, I'll tell you, I had a really good time. I had good conversations with quite a number of people. So I'm trying to I'm trying to look at the glass half full kind of concept. You know what I mean? Makes sense. Yep. Yep. Well, as I said out here, we're down to two, two uh, new cases today, so... Like I said, hopefully we're starting to go on the downward slope. We're, we've reached a peak and we're heading downwards, but we'll have to wait and see. So, but yep. uh, yeah, a lot of people are wearing masks here. Like if I, whenever I go out to see a customer, I always wear a mask. I just think it's probably, uh, I think it looks well. First, I think it looks good to the customer, and hey, I just think it's probably better, just at least for right now. But. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. I think it's frustrating a lot of people, but there's not a lot we can do about it at this point. Just keep plugging away. So, 
And you know what? I was gonna, I was gonna say, if there's anybody out there listening to us right now, please send us a text or something and explain to me why there are numerous people driving around Calgary and they're wearing masks and gloves in their own car. I just that I still don't understand. I haven't figured I, it out, and I never will. And then the people who are wearing the masks that are below the nose. What's up with that? Yeah. Why would you bother? It's hard to breathe wearing those. <laughs> Isn't that the whole point? That's true, it's but the exactly problem is... exactly what they'll tell you. If you're they'll wearing it you below your doing. nose, it doesn't matter. It doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. You might as well not be wearing oh, well. it at that point. Oh, well. I, I, I'm is. not going to say anything, but hey, if the shoe fits, you know what I mean? Yep. Alrighty then. So, uh, now that we've talked about COVID um, in real life, let's talk about COVID, how it pertains to the CFL. Oh boy. Let's talk CFL. So, as I said off the top of the show, this was supposed to be week one of training camp. We were supposed to be at the conclusion of day three of CFL training camps and less than a week away from the first preseason game. As, but like I said, COVID-19 had other plans, and we are still not there. So, uh, like you, Mark, you said you were supposed to be out at the stadium watching training camp. I had been thinking about going up to Kamloops this year to see the Lions training camp and go to their fan fest. That obviously not happening. So the CFL training camps are not supposed or were supposed to open, but they're not. So are we going to get training camps? What do you guys think? Is this uh, just a, a waste of time now, or are we? Is there still a glimmer of hope that we see some kind of a season at some point? Mark, let's start with you. You know, with all the talk about the hub cities now, where the best city would be to you know, in each division would be to go, whether it was Hamilton and either Regina or Edmonton, anything like that. And the players all seem to be on side with wanting to play. I haven't, like some of the other leagues, you haven't heard any of the players coming out and saying, I'm not playing. The owners need this money. They need to play. They need that $50 million or whatever it's going to end up being from TSN. Mm-hmm. So I do think there's a better chance, like you said, than a couple of weeks ago. I do think there is a chance that we will see a season. And we'll have to see a training camp. If there's course, a season, yeah. even if it's only two weeks. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, I think there's a good shot at it. Yeah, I, I do. don't know about fans in the stands, although they are talking about possibly putting some in. Now Hamilton said in a twenty their twenty three thousand seat stadium, they would only with the six foot guideline they could only do four thousand people. At that point, I don't know if it's worth it, but I guess there is some noise to make it sound interesting on TV. I was going to say 4,000 people is better than zero. I mean, because yeah. that 4,000 people buying tickets, 4,000 people 
getting food at the concession stands, 4,000 people that could buy merchandise at the souvenir stand. So, I mean, it's better than nothing. It's at least yeah. some revenue. Uh, Do the Ticats own their own stadium? I believe so. I think they did, or at least they have a stake in it. So, they, like, here in B.C., like... It doesn't matter for the Lions if they get uh, anyone buying food or anything like that because they don't get a dime from concessions. I mean, they might get they, they get money obviously from souvenir stands, but you can get that online. You don't have to buy them at the games. And typically, when you buy stuff at the games, you can get them cheaper if you buy them not at the games or online and stuff like that. So they would get obviously a bit of money at ticket sales and with the Lions having a bigger stadium they can probably do more than 4,000 people at the gate but at the same time um, any revenue at this point is um, any revenue at this point is good and one of the reasons I said that uh, that I think the prospects have improved in the last two weeks and I thought about this because really if they don't have a season they're probably not getting a cent from the TSN deal. TSN's not going to pay them if they're not going to play. So they, like Mark just said, they need that money. The only way to get that money is to play. Even if they are playing in empty stadiums, or they're going to have nothing coming in. They get zero coming in this season. And at that point, I'm not sure the league can survive. We'll go on to David Braley's comment soon about this. At that point, I'm not sure they survive. If they get abs- if they get nothing from TSN, they're in massive trouble. Will, what do you think? You know, so explain to me, and, and I don't know if you guys have heard any de- details, how is this hub system going to work? All the games in the West are played in the one city. Right. Yeah. All the games in the East are played in the one city. They don't cross over okay. to each other. Right. And so, so are these games going to be played week after week after week, or what? Yeah, I mean, I think you'd have yeah. uh, like uh, two games. Like you'd have probably you could still do like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's just they'd all be played in the same buildings. Like, let's say you have. Yeah. And so, will there be fans? Play? Will there be fans, or will there be no fans? We don't know That's that. That's up in the air. Okay, because if there is fans, let me ask you this, Mark. Can you afford to go to three football games a week? No. Okay, so and how is that going to work? I know. This is, well. How is that going to work? I mean, I mean I'd mean, i be in, in seventh heaven if I could go to three football games a week, okay? My mm-hmm. wife would probably divorce me. But you know, I'd have to, I'd have to kind of balance that out and decide which is more important. Okay. One of the things so, I was thinking of with that was, could you do it like Winnipeg has about nineteen, twenty thousand season ticket holders? Yes. Tickets go into a draw. We've already paid for our tickets, so. Right. Yeah, I don't know if I could do it that way, if that's fair to the people that are diehard fans but can't afford seasons, you know. Right. And my my thing is I I think I think the six foot rule 
I don't know. I, I, is it worth it if you have 4,000 people in the stands? Okay, couldn't we go every three seats or something like that? I sort of worked it out in my head. Now, my math isn't always the greatest. But in, say, a 40-seat row. Yeah. Row one would have... If you think about the three, it's not two seats. Everybody keeps saying it's two seats. That's only four feet. It's six yep. feet. It's every three seats there's an ass. Right. So you're getting about four people in that row now. There can't be anybody in the row in front of you. There can't be anybody in the row behind you. So row one, and then the next set of fans is row four. Yeah, you have to be... Uh, like so many seats and over, not, I, and so many. I, I, once again, I don't want to downplay this, but that's silly. It is. It. I think it's silly. If that's how they have to do it, if the distancing is still in place, it's going to be hard to figure out. It is because, well, you say, sorry. How wide is the seat in Winnipeg? I don't know, what are they, two, two and a half feet? Okay, well, in Calgary, they're 12 inches, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time getting my ass they might be two feet every time I go. They're, they're, they're quite small. And, and in Calgary, you do tend to sit on each other. Right? <laughs> I, one of my criteria of who I bring to football games is skinny people. <laughs> I don't like people sitting on top of me. Okay? So... I, I just don't know how it's going to work. Yeah. I just don't know. And the other thing is this destiny's on is the thing is you're still going to have people that are sitting in the same row as you. If you're in the yep. middle of that row, you still got to walk past these people just if you're going out to get food or going to the bathroom. Uh, absolutely. You still got to walk past these yep. people. Yeah. So what's the point at that point? And how do you and how do you do it in the concourse? I know I know Winnipeg's concourse and BC's concourse are quite big. Calgary is just tiny once again. Okay? Oh, no, 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 and no. You, no. Our, our concourse is ridiculously small. Oh, is it really? I didn't know that. It's ridiculously small. I mean, yeah, I, I remember. It's impossible. I mean, Charles, is BC's concourse as big as Edmonton's? You know what? Our, our concourse is pretty good. It's a good size. The problem yep. is you get idiots that walk right on top of you regardless. Right. Or stop in the middle of the Or stop and you got a group of ten people standing there talking and you gotta walk yeah, right. around them. Mm-hmm. And then you right. got and people going you... to the bathroom, you're gonna be next to everybody in the bathroom. Well the other thing walking is in stuff Calgary, off there. In Calgary when you go to the bathroom you're on top of each other, literally. Okay? Yeah. Yep. So so is the lineup gonna be out the door and down the stadium and around the corner? Probably. I, Have you I seen tend the line to wonder. Costco? I, I wonder <laughs> if if I wonder if they opened the stadiums up and said, "Okay, everybody, just come to the football game." Yeah. I wonder how bad it would be. Because what do you mean? there's a lot of people that are not going to show up because they're scared. You know what I mean? Yep. So I, I tend to wonder. Or is the only way to do it 
don't have fans in the seats, and then it's a waste of time anyways because the CFL says they make all their revenue from two thir- from from walk up or from people being asses in the seats. So well, they don't, I don't make know. all the revenue. They make I think the they number say two thirds. I thought I heard it was about thirty percent. No, I, I heard two thirds. I thought I thought I heard Braley say two thirds, and one third from other stuff. I could be wrong. I wouldn't be surprised with Winnipeg, when you look at the length of the beer lines and the food lines. Right. Like there's been many football games we've ran out of beer. Right. So. And at ten bucks a beer, that adds up fast. Yeah, I'm surprised. Do I sound surprised that happens in Winnipeg, Mark? They run no. out of beer. Holy shit. Yeah. Really? Okay. <laughs> Just saying. You do that without a game. <laughs> I heard that, the, that, that there's still a plan on that the Bombers fans are still planning to have a tailgate even without uh, without uh, a game going on. I heard something about that. Is that, yeah, is that there is true? one. There's one official tailgate that's going to happen. Some guy's doing it with nine of his friends in his house. And this is getting all kinds of media and blah, blah, blah. When the armchairs page does their tailgate, they're planning it now, how to do it. We, uh, I know a couple of guys were going to call the U of M security and the bombers and see if they'll let us tailgate in our normal spot for the home, what would have been the home opener. Mm-hmm. But we have to get the government to loosen the amount of people allowed. Because right now you can only have 10 people in a group. That's really not a fun tailgate. Yeah. But there, there is guys working on it. So. I just don't know. I don't know how it's going to work unless you just relax everything. I really don't. And I'm. I, it's, it's funny because Two, three, four weeks ago, I told you I wouldn't go to a football game. I am so confident right now that they're overcompensating. I would probably go to football games. Yep. Come on, hey, I'm getting my mask anyway from the Bombers soon. So we're still having a season ticket pickup. Yeah. And I mean, would I wear a mask to the football game? Yeah, probably. But only because I don't know. I don't know. I already do, and this one will be easier because it's only a half mask compared to my other one. Well, and have you guys? Have you guys? I don't know. Do you guys go to Tim's at all since this thing happened? Tim Hortons. Yes. I have. Okay. Will I haven't do they been have... to Tim's in five or six years? All right. Do they have the special tray at your Tim's, Charles? What do you mean, special tray? Special tray. So well, I haven't gone inside. Is... I mean, I go to the drive-thru. No, no, yeah, I'm talking, talking drive-thru. Yeah? I'm talking they, drive-thru. They don't, put, they don't hand it to me. They stick a tray out the window with the stuff on right. it, and this, I take it off the tray. This white tray with a long handle, is that correct? That's not they what they use a... out here. They just got, like, a normal tray that you would use in the... Um, 
that you would use in the, the restaurant, just like a brown tr- plastic tray. No, no, I pull up. I pull up Saturday morning and get my daily, my Saturday morning coffee and donuts, and it's taking a little longer than normal. And then all of a sudden, they stick this white square tray out the window with a great big long handle on it, and there's an employee on the other end of the handle, and you pick your coffee and your donuts off off the tray and. and Put them where you put them, and I'm thinking this thing is made of plastic. Do you think they wipe this thing down every single person who comes by? There was six people in line. Don't tell me. Don't tell me they did that. What a waste of fuck! I'm telling you. And I'm and I'm just thinking I I'm upset that I didn't come up with the tray idea because I'd be a rich man right now. <laughs> You need like a robot arm that can like hold it out the the, the robot, and it just holds it out the the window or something like that. But you see, the thing I don't understand is, okay, so they don't hand it to you by hand, but in reality, there's somebody on the inside who's putting their hand on your cup, and they're pouring coffee in your cup, and they're stirring your coffee if you put anything in it. And then and then they put it on a tray to stick it out the window. What? Sure. How does that make sense? It's strictly for show. It just doesn't make sense. And and just so you know, I have been drinking coffee and grabbing like lunch at Tim Hortons this entire time, and I have not gotten sick. I don't think I've heard anyone got who got sick going to Tim Hortons, and the lineup's always out to the street. Absolutely. So I'm just saying. It's because their coffee's so bad it probably eats the virus away. Well, that, that's your opinion, okay? You, you I, know, I used to go I like to import coffee. I used to go to Tim's until they changed their coffee up. Now if I'm going right. to do that, I just go grab one from McDonald's. Well, that's what, everybody tells, that's what everybody tells me, that they yeah, have the old Tim's. Tim's old blend. <laughs> I don't really go to those anyway. I, I'm a um, small coffee shop guy. I like okay. helping out small businesses. Okay. And it's way better coffee. Okay. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I just, it, and, and once again, so here we go. You're a small coffee guy, Mark? Is that right? Yep, Do small business, yeah. Do you go to your local coffee shops and ever sit down and have a coffee? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, once again, my question is, what is the difference between you going to Costco, standing in line for 15 minutes, going into Costco with 100 people, shopping, coming out, getting in your car? What's the difference between that and going to a coffee shop for 40 minutes and sitting and having a cup of coffee? Not much, really. So why aren't they open? Yep. Uh, it just it's it, and you know what? By by this time next week, I am going to be so fed up with this stuff, I probably won't even be able to come on the podcast. Okay. All right, because I keep on looking around at things and looking around at things and looking around and seeing the economy going deeper and deeper and deeper into hole. And, man, I'm telling you, I don't know if we'll ever recover. 
You're not wrong. I, I know. I and I and I understand. There's lots of people. There's lots of naysayers out there that saying, "Oh, you wait till this winter when the second wave hits, you'll be in trouble." I, I just don't do not. I do not believe the numbers justify that hypothesis. I really don't. I mean, people have warned about a second wave, but that's only yep. a possibility. There's no guarantee there's going to be any second wave. So they're 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 basing it on the possibility that something might happen. <laughs> and then the other thing that is getting me these days to no end. I had two weeks ago, one of my guys' fathers died from COVID, apparently. He lived in Louisiana. And apparently his father had COPD. He had two heart attacks. Uh, He had diabetes. And he was also 85 years old. And I hear more and more and more of this happening all the time. And so, do they get more funding if they put it under COVID? What is it? Apparently, that's the kid. I, I didn't think that was the case, but I actually looked that up. And yeah, if you do get more money if a death is listed as a COVID nineteen death. I'm not sure why that is. I guess it's uh, research or whatnot, but that is in fact true. I've just heard so many stories lately, and it's it's. I don't know. I I just. To me, I think a lot of people are playing a lot, a lot of different angles, and it's kind of uh, really annoying. Yep. Anyways, let's talk about football. <laughs> Alrighty. If well, you know we'll, what I we'll mean. Move on to, uh, we'll move on to uh, our next topic. But I, I was gonna, sorry, sorry, Charles. I am actually pretty. In the last two weeks, I'm kind of like you. I am pretty optimistic that there may be some sort of a season. Yeah. Well, I've seen that there's been teams that are starting to open up their training or their training facilities. I know the Lions here uh, um, um, have made a petition, I believe, to the city of Surrey to open their facilities. It looks like they're opening facilities in Ontario for the Red Blacks, the Tiger Cats, and the Argos. And uh, so I think there's at least they're still working on it, and some of the things we'll talk about in the next few topics will kind of kind of um, uh, accentuate that. So uh, just moving on to the next topic, which is David Braley. Uh, he gave an interview. The Lions owner gave an interview to the I think it was to was it the Three Down Nation? I guess it was the Three Down Nation. I hate that. Three Down Nation, they put on a uh, an article, and they put, by Three Down staff. They don't even tell you who wrote the article, which I find very annoying. If you if you wrote an article, okay, no. Braley gave it to Team 1040. Yeah, right, David Braley's not talking to Three Down Nation. Who am I kidding? But basically, his point is that if we don't play this year, the league might not survive. Now, it is interesting, and I've seen a few people point this out, that the CFL is still in negotiations with the government to get some sort of bailout. And David Braley is a very influential voice in the Canadian Football League. So, is this a little bit of posturing on his part? Or is it legit the CFL could collapse if they don't play a season? 
what do you guys think? Uh, Will, do you think David Braley is just posturing to try and uh, curry favor with the government, or is he really serious? Well, you know what? I I, I, I think you guys, you probably know David Braley better, better than I do, or you've known things that he's said in the past. And and my, my biggest issue is, once again, are they just playing games? Okay? Because when there's money involved, people play games. And are they just, are they, uh, uh, do you think David Braley is willing to let the CFL disappear when he's got an interest in the CFL as far as he owns the team? And not that if his team collapsed, he would lose money and it's not going to come anywhere close to breaking him. We know that. Right. Okay. So I, I don't know. I mean, I wish David Braley had a went to the government instead of Randy Ambrosi, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but, David Braley is not, I mean, he's he's not just on one team. He's on three teams. He's put correct. probably more, uh, as an individual, he may have put more money into the CFL than any other single individual in CFL history. He's right. And if the CFL goes under... All of that is for nothing. Mm-hmm. And are people willing to... I mean, you know, you would think that... I don't know who owns BC Place, okay? Mm-hmm. But you would think BC Place wouldn't want it to disappear either because I would guess that they're probably the major tenant for BC Place. Is that correct? It's owned, owned by the government. Um, right. Well, the Vancouver Whitecaps actually play more home games at BC Place, but I believe money-wise, I think the BC Lions pay more in rent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, I think they would be considered the, the, the number one tenant. I just, I just uh, you know, I mean, I wonder if this is all posturing, because let's face it, the the the... The budget that Canada has for this COVID thing, $150 million is pennies, quite truthfully. It is, yeah. And and they haven't even asked for all of it up front. No. And so, they, they've also said they're willing to uh, work to pay them back as well. Right. Right. So, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just, I just, you know, behind everything that's going on, there's game playing, and people are playing games with everything right now, and and it's just, it's kind of sickening, really sickening. Mark, what do you think? Is this a lot of posturing on David Braley's part? I'm hoping it is. I think it is, but... Is he the type that does that kind of stuff? No. Nope. Is my concern. He's a businessman. Yeah. Um, well, no, he definitely is a businessman. And, I mean, I think you could probably put some sort of um, um, credence into that. Uh, I think worst-case worst scenario, like really bottom-of-the-barrel really bottom scenario is that the CFL could potentially go under. 
I, I don't see it happening myself. I think the CFL will be hurt, but I don't think they would ever fully go under. But, you know, it uh, when you're looking for money... There's too much government, government money. Yeah. There's so much government money that's thrown into all these stadiums and trying to figure out who actually owns Tim Hortons Field. The government, Hamilton government dumped $53 million into that stadium. Yep. They're going to want their money back. Yep. If there's no CFL, Investors Group Field, yeah, the Bombers just made their regular payment of $2.2 million, but if there's no CFL, there's the stadium sitting there as a geese home. It'll become a natural reserve for geese, because that's what it is right now. Um, Saskatchewan, their stadium. So the governments will get involved here. There's just too much money on the line. You know, I, I tend to wonder if this is kind of, these guys do this in a in a bigger, on a bigger scale than I do. But, for example, I guarantee you, on every single job I have, as far as what I do for a living, when I phone my suppliers to get prices on things, I guarantee you, I'm telling them, and I hope none of them listen to me, I guarantee you I'm telling them that I have no money in this job and I need this stuff as cheap as I can get it. Because if I don't, I'm not going to make any money, okay? And I use it on a regular basis, okay? I'll be honest with you. And it usually works. And this this is the same thing, I think, only on a bigger scale. Or at least I hope. If you break it down to the population of Canada and you break it down to per person cost, what the CFL is asking for amounts to $3.95 a person in Canada. Right. Most people spend that on coffee every day. Mm-hmm. We had that discussion the Probably other day, me and my that. wife. My and my wife had that discussion the other day. I spend $6.60 on coffee every day. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I'm not even going to I'm not even going to throw the cigarette budget in there either cuz it's ridiculous. Uh-huh. No, you go out and you buy two bottles of water, you're spending more than $3.94. Absolutely. So, yeah, I I don't know. And hey, the way the feds are throwing money around. Yes. My mom, my mom, who's 85 years old and in a care home, keeps getting all these raises. Mm Mm-hmm. She's breaking in the cash. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're going to pay for it down the road guarantee you we're going to pay for it so bad it's not going to be it's not going to be funny no and I mean the lucky thing for the three of us is we're not going to live for another 50 years okay because this country will be screwed in 50 years unless something changes sorry son 
Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Make your money now while you're young because you're not going to make it 50 years from now. Um, it, it scares me it's what the tax rate would be 50 years from now. Hmm. So, but I, I, I just think it's a lot of posturing on both sides and let's just get something done. Mm-hmm. And the, the worst thing about it is, is there's five opinions on every single thing. Yep. Yeah, and it's true. crazy. And it's crazy. Uh, yeah. All right. So moving on now, I think we've kind of gone through that yeah, one. I think, think we've beat it to death. Yep. So moving on, uh, it came out uh, two day, a couple of days ago that the CFL and the CFLPA, speaking of uh, the increased chances of uh, getting a season this year, have formed a subcommittee for return to play CBA issues <laughs> and a couple other uh, working groups as they work towards a hopeful 2020 season. My question here is, is this going to end up being more detrimental than it uh, should be because it just seems like any time the league and the Players Association talk about anything, it ends up in a gigantic fight. And they end up pissed off at each other. Going all the way back to the CBA last year where it kept jumping back and forth. And I remember that one crazy day where I was watching the thing. Remember that one crazy day right at the end of the labor negotiations? And I remember watching this on on Twitter. We had all sorts of players saying, oh, deal's off, no season, we're striking. And then 15 minutes later, oh, everything's all good. We're going to camp tomorrow. It was the night before trading. It was about a year ago at this time. And then we've seen this whole thing that um, recently with them not talking and so on, and now they're going to start talking again on these subcommittees, and it just seems that every time these guys uh, start talking to each other, it ends up in a bad argument. So, what do you think? Is this going to be uh, uh, is this going to be a bunch of uh, fighting back and forth like it normally is, or are these guys actually going to get something done? Mark, what do you think? Are these guys just going to end up in another fight? I think they have to work together on this. There's so many different issues. There's so many different issues that they have to go through. They even probably have to pull the players just to find out if the, especially the Americans, want to come over the border and play or can come over the border and play. It's hard to justify calling a football player an essential worker. Now you can work out a deal with the various governments. But But the players do need to be involved. To jump in here, though, just to what you yep. said, you're actually making a bit of a mistake that a lot of other people have been making in terms of whether or not players can um, can come over the border to play football. Now, I looked into this. I went right to the Canadian government website because I wanted to see exactly what it says on the website. And they said that the border is closed to everything except for essential travel. Now, people are hearing the phrase essential travel, and they are focusing on the word essential, and they're thinking, oh, well, that means only essential workers. When you go to the Canadian government website, that's not at all what that says. Now, what this 
Canadian government deems essential travel. Because I went through this, and I actually have, um, I actually downloaded this and saved it so I could read back it, read it back. Because I, I, I'm like something's not right here. So what the government actually goes to deem essential travel, and of course, as I say this, I can't find the the thing. Oh, okay, here he goes. So. It says, this is taken directly from the government website. If you are healthy and must cross the border for work or other non-discretionary essential purposes, you may continue to do so. Some examples of essential travel purposes are work and study, critical infrastructure support, economic services, supply chains, um, shopping for essential goods such as medication. So... People crossing the border for work purposes are considered essential travel. They're not essential services because we've been hearing a lot about essential services since this whole COVID-19 thing started. But right from the government website, people crossing the border for work purposes are considered essential travel. So that would mean that football players would qualify because they are traveling for work purposes. Now, when they got here, they're probably going to have to quarantine for two weeks, like um, everybody else coming across the border. But it does say that if you are traveling for work purposes, you are considered essential travel. Well, now, now here's something something that's interesting. Okay, Um, last, last Monday... My uh, my shipper at work was not feeling well, and he was as white as a ghost. So I sent him home, and he called me on Tuesday, and he said he was feeling a lot better. What should he do? And I said to him, well, you got to either do one of two things. you got to sit at home for 14 days or go take the test. So he didn't want to sit at home for 14 days, so he phoned whoever it is that you phone, and they had a whole questionnaire as asking him questions. And out of that entire questionnaire, he only answered one question, yes. And so automatically, they told him he was low risk, and they set up an appointment for him to get tested two days later. So he got tested on Thursday, and of course he didn't get his results on Thursday, but the government gave him a letter that he sent to me, and in the letter it said that he was low risk and he could return to work immediately, and depending on what the results of his test were, he would not have to miss any more work. He got his test, so I let him come back to work on Friday, and he looked normal, and he got his test results on Saturday, and he was negative. So couldn't they do that with guys traveling, Make give them the test when they come across the border, and if they well, show up negative, yeah. then they don't have to self-contain yeah. for 14 days. I think days. That's, the other op- that's the other option. And they, they need to be tested every across. day. Yeah. Right. Every day you get tested. Mm-hmm. Is it? Would it be any different than what they do with Andrew Harris and test him for steroids <laughs> on a regular basis? Yep, it'd be the same. 
So I don't even think that's an issue. And as far as essential travel goes, I had a guy in my shop last week. I've got a a panel lifter that's all vacuum controlled and it wasn't working. And it's a specialized kind of thing for guys to work at. And this guy came to my shop and fixed my panel lifter. And I talked to him about what he had been, been doing for two months. And he had traveled all across North America because that's what he does. And and guys in construction that have panel lifters, if they're not working, they're screwed. So, And he said he did not have a problem. So I'm just saying. Like I said, there's a double standard for everything, and it seems there's a triple and a quadruple standard. Quadruple, yeah. Okay, so I don't know. And I don't want anybody to get to get the wrong impression that I'm downplaying this thing, but I'm sorry, the numbers don't add up. In my mind. And I'm just an ignorant, you know, redneck Albertan, so I don't know. All right, so hopefully back we'll... to the topic, though. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, the, the Players Association does need to be involved. Right. You know, well, everybody's no, got their I... opinion on unions and everything else, but they're yeah. there. There's nothing we can do about it. This this is sorry. I got carried away a little here. bit. I yeah. got carried away a little bit. These guys have to agree on things because. The players aren't going to have jobs, and the league is not going to have a league to play in, so they got to come together on this. It's that simple, unless yep. you want to go do another job for the rest of your life. Right. It's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and stop, don't let egos get in the way. This is not the time for egos to get in the way, and this is not the time to uh, play Mr. Tough Guy union member. Because no, quite you think Bo Levi be... Mitchell's going to walk away from $685,000 this season? Of course not. Because of COVID? No. Mike Riley's not walking away from 700 Zach Kalaros mm-hmm. isn't walking away from 500 Nope. And even, yeah. even, even the younger guys are not going to walk away from sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 for six months' worth of work, or even less. True. But I did find out, and of course I didn't screen cap it, the American players can apply for the CERB, even um, the ones that are in the States. Yep. Because they made enough money. Mm-hmm. They were employed and everything else, and they made the, the money thing, and it just works for them. So that's good to know. Yeah, and did I not hear this past week? Did I not hear this past week? Mike Riley said, when people were coming up with, you know, they don't want to pay Americans with Canadian dollars or give them any funding because they're Americans. Didn't Mike Riley says he pays Canadian taxes as well? He does. He pays well, there you go. So, so what is the beef then? Yeah. No. Yeah, because they also got two Canadian kids. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, two Canadian kids. And they're pay- when they get their paycheck, they're paying income tax to the Canadian government. They're not paying to the U.S. Nope. Yes, and they and apparently they also pay pay EI as well. Yep. <laughs> yes. That's true. So, I mean, so the more I, you I look at it, the more the... they sh- probably should. You know, and, and actually, and, and this also goes back to some of the idiots who have opinions out there. I saw some kind of post today, somebody cutting down David Braley for the things he said, and and he doesn't care about the CFL. And I'm like, do you know any history whatsoever? Uh, the, obviously not, because he wouldn't. Um, yeah, I saw that too, and I just shook my head because. And I didn't even comment on it because I knew I was going to get into a nasty argument, and I just wasn't interested. Yeah, I didn't have time for it, but you know, he I literally kept the CFL afloat. Uh huh. He and I time, and I just go ahead. I was just saying he once owned two teams at once. That is correct. Yep. That's never happened before in the CFL. Even the CFL hasn't known two teams at once. No. No. Ridiculous. Yeah, it it was a little stupid. I I just... That's someone who doesn't know anything about history. Well, no, but one of the things is I have opinions, but I guarantee you that I research my opinions, okay, to see if it sounds completely stupid or not. And those people were completely stupid. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All What's right. Well, next, I think Charles? we're going through that one, so we'll uh, get off of that topic and move on to the next one. Hey, it's going to be a topic. Speaking that, of, well. Speaking of stupid it, opinions? Yeah, <laughs> well, we're going to go on to everybody's... Actually, the opinion in this article isn't stupid, although a lot of people try to think it is, but it, it's actually quite well thought out. We're going back to our friends in Halifax, and I think we've talked about this a few times, uh, but a uh, noted Canadian economist, uh, what's the, the... Moshi Ladner, I think is the name. I don't know if that's a male or female name, but Moshi Ladner said uh, basically initially was a guy who was right on board, convinced there was going to be a team in Halifax when it first surfaced. He now says that the Halifax Stadium is dead as a doornail, dead as a doornail thanks to COVID-19. I mean, I'm going to come out right there. Before COVID-19 uh, ever hit, this thing was dead as a doornail as far as I'm concerned. But this just clinches it. I mean, with the the economy going into the tank like it is because of COVID-19, there is no chance in hell that either the Halifax government or the Nova Scotia government is going to be putting money into a football state. It's just not reality. It, it, if it wasn't dead before COVID-19, it's 100% dead now. They're not coming back. And I see people saying, oh, this is just one person's opinion that doesn't get it. Look. This guy, person who's saying it is an economist. They deal with numbers. They deal with economies. They know what uh, is what when it comes to situations like this. 
this guy knows what he's talking about. This thing's a done. This thing's uh, dead, as far as I'm, uh, I'm concerned. And um, I, I sh- this guy knows what he's talking about. This guy's right, but as far as I'm concerned, like I said before, this is dead be- long before COVID. But you know what? A lot of people are going to use COVID as an excuse for oh, everything. Oh, of course they will. Yeah. And the, the, scar- the, scariest, <laughs> the scariest thing about this is that Braley and, and Brosy come out saying the CFL doesn't make any money. Why would any government invest in a stadium for a company that's going to lose money? It makes no sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we also saw last week, oh, what's his name, one of the front men, Anthony LeBlanc, who was kind of the face of the group, one of their main spokespeople, he hightailed it and took a job with the Ottawa Senators. He's out of there. So this is just quickly falling apart. Yes. You know, they may have had one oar in the water still without COVID because this was Ambrosi's legacy project. Mm-hmm. And he was going to do everything he could. And now that's been taken away. So, yeah, no, the, they're done. And yeah. from the Halifax fans, the people that live in Halifax and around there, even they're admitting it's done. And, I mean, the other With thing you, is, Britter is Ambrose has got more important things to concentrate on right now, too. He's got to yeah. make sure there's still a league at this time yeah. next year. He, he can't be concentrating on the Halifax. Is it yeah, no, well, that's why I say before COVID. It, it, this was his legacy. He was going to be known for bringing the coast-to-coast thing. And COVID just ripped whatever was left of it, which wasn't much by any means. Mm-hmm. But whatever was left of it, COVID just took that away. With the amount of debt provinces and cities are going to have, you know, I know Manitoba, they're talking $5 billion in tiny little Manitoba. So, yeah, no, the governments aren't going to be building stadiums anytime soon. No, they can't, they, no they're yeah. not going to be able to afford it. I mean, it's just... An, and if they tried, they, you know how they, they would get skewered by uh, pretty much everyone at that point. I mean, it just it's not going to happen. The only thing they could do is play out of, what is it, Moncton they played the touchdown, the touchdown Atlantic? In yeah, that tiny little stadium. They have to put in a bunch of stadium seats and stuff like that, and the government's not going to pay for that. The owners are going to have to do that, too, and I don't see any uh, will for them to put out a bunch of money for that. No, no. So, yeah, no, it's toast. Yeah. And hopefully toast for a while now. Yeah, they're they're not coming anytime soon. Their highlight was two years ago at the Grey Cup when they named, when they announced a name uh, for the team. And I remember because I was in the room that night. That was in Edmonton at the um, Touchdown Atlantic or, or Atlantic Schooners party. And remember, they got up there with these ownership guys and Ambronis, Ambrosi. I don't know if you were there that night, Will, but I was there that night. Um, and it was a big thing. And they're like, oh, the name of the team is the Atlantic Schooners. And I remember they erupted in cheers, and everyone's all excited. And I'm standing there and thinking to myself, yeah, this is great. You got a name, and you don't have a stadium yet. So what's the big excitement for it? Well, (laughs) 
here we are still in May of 2020, and they still don't have a stadium, and they're not getting one anytime soon. So So I don't see any more big... uh, So newsflash, guy, there's, there's no chance in the next five years that the Stampeders are going to get a new stadium either. No, that's true. If you haven't done it by now, you're waiting for a while. Yep. Are they going to delay the field house that they're going to build or we're going to build? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, because weren't the Flames supposed to be getting a new rink? Yes. I wonder if that's going to go yes, through or that's going to be delayed. I have no clue. Hmm. Everything, that's the thing I hate most about this. Everything's up in the air. It is. All right. Well, I think we've uh, talked enough about Halifax, probably too much at this point. Uh, So let's go on to the next segment. Hey, we're going to talk about something that does not uh, involve COVID-19. That's exciting. All right. So this is actually one that was a holdover from last week. Uh, Was on last week's agenda. We never actually got to it. So I remember was saying, well, let's hold it over and talk about it next week. So this was a list put out last week by Rod Peterson about his kind of rankings um, for the top 10 CFL quarterbacks in 2020. Um, So uh, this is one he put out uh, last week. So he's got, here's his rankings of who, this is who he is projecting as the top uh, 10 quarterbacks in the CFL this upcoming season. So this is kind of his uh, 2020 projections. He has in the number one spot Cody Fajardo. Is there any reason to go any further? Because this kind of kills the credibility of that list right off the top. All right, I'll keep going. Number two, Bo Levi Mitchell. Number three, Mike Riley. Number four, Trevor Harris. Number five, Nick Arbuckle. Ahead of the Grey Cup winner, number six, Zach Caleros. Vernon Adams, number seven. Jeremiah Mazzoli, number eight. Matt Nichols, down at number nine. And number ten, he said Macbeth, which I'm guessing is McLeod Bethel Thompson. So there's his projected top rankings for quarterbacks going into the 2020 season. Um, well, I'll leave my my uh, my thoughts for now. Uh, I'll, I'll let uh, Mark go first on this. What do you think of these rankings by Mr. Peterson there? Well, this is Rod Peterson at his clickbait best. Yep. I mean, we'd all be shocked if he didn't have a Riders QB number one. He's got Macbeth, but he doesn't have Dane Evans. That that's the one that made made me drop my my jaw drop. He took the Tie Cats to the Grey Cup last year. He doesn't get into top ten picks. He's got Zach Caleros behind Nick Arbuckle and Trevor Harris. Yeah. Nick Arbuckle, I think, had, what, six starts, seven starts? 
And Trevor Harris is Mr. Inconsistency. And Zach Kalos just won a Grey Cup at E6. And this doesn't go. This list doesn't go with if he's healthy. This is his top right. ten QBs in 2020, and he's got Zach Kaleros at six behind a backup turned starting quarterback due to injury. Yeah. Behind Trevor Harris, we all know how I feel about him. Mm-hmm. And behind Cody Fiardo, who he beat. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, but this is quick bait. <laughs> Matt Nichols behind Jeremiah Mazzoli, who's coming off a torn ACL. Matt Nichols, who had the Bombers in first place when he went down with yep. injury. Yep. Vernon Adams. Will, what do you think about this list? <laughs> you know what I think about this list? You know, I'm just, I'm actually just, talk for a minute, Charles, because I'm looking something up to add to my argument here. Okay. Well, I mean, um, this list, I mean, Cody Fajardo had a great year last year when he came in after Zach Claros went down with injury. But, We've seen one hit wonders before. We've seen quarterbacks who look like world beaters and then were next season completely vanished. Uh, May I remind you of Jonathan Jennings, who passed for nearly 5,000 yards, got his team to second place, and then the next year, now he's like, in three years, he's out of football. So putting Cody Fajardo... um, Number one is very ambitious. Let's see him do it for more than one year before we anoint this guy the top guy. Um, Zach Kolaris won the Grey Cup last year. Nick Arbuckle has six career starts. Trevor Harris typically has one good game, one bad game. Why is Kolaris behind those two? Why is Matt Nichols behind Jeremiah Mazzoli, who's coming off a torn ACL? And why is McLeod Bethel Thompson on this list at all while Dane Evans, who took over and took his team to a Grey Cup appearance, not even on this list? If I'm not mistaken, he's probably going to be the st- – well, I was gonna, I'm, here I am thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to start in June. No, we're not starting in June. So if, let's say, we do end up starting, let's say, just for argument's sake, September, now Mazzoli's probably healed up from his ACL then. So I'm guessing they have a quarterback, um, a quarterback battle at training camp. But come on, I mean, Matt, Cloud Bethel Thompson is the only, the Argos are the only team that has two um, quarterbacks on that list. It should be Hamilton. How, how Dane Evans does not make this list after taking his team to the play to the um, Grey Cup just doesn't make sense to me. And McLeod Bethel Thompson had a couple of good flashes here. But he's another one like Trevor Harris that is notoriously inconsistent. Will, have you figured out what you were looking for yet? Hello? That would would probably be no. 
I guess, I, did we lose him? He just sounded like he just cut off altogether. He's still on there. No, I'm here. Okay. I'm here. Um, well, what I was going to say is, I was just looking at some stats. So, Nick Arbuckle played six games last year, and he played, let's say, six and a half games last year as the starting quarterback. Okay. He had 2,100 yards. So, if he had a played all 18 games for Calgary as their quarterback, would he have would he have had 6,000 yards? If he would have had 6,000 yards, then he yeah. should be considered the number one quarterback in the CFL. As opposed to yeah. Cody Fajardo, who played all 18 games, he only had 4,100 yards passing. So in my mind, and... I, I'm thinking the number one quarterback, and Mark is going to hate when I say this, I think should be Trevor Harris. Really? Because he had a great season last year until he got hurt. And I, I, I tend to wonder in the back of my mind, i got two things in the back of my mind. Is Bo Levi's shoulder going to be okay? Will it ever be okay again? And Mike Riley is getting long in the tooth. Okay, and we know that from last year's experience, Mike Riley is nobody if he doesn't have a decent team in front of him or a decent offensive line anyways. But how you can put Cody Fajardo number one because he played one season in Saskatchewan and nobody had tape on him, real tape as a starter, and when it came right down to it, they finished first overall, and he did not get it done in the playoffs. And to me, that's all that counts. And I and Mark, sorry, I, I put Zach Kolaris up there, but I just don't think Zach Kolaris is going to play a whole season. It's going to be a short season. Well, sure, even if it's a short season. If if they have a eight or nine game season, I say Zach Kolaris plays four games. As long as and, he gets us into first place, I don't care. Well, I was gonna. Well, no, no. What I'm saying, as long as he gets injured in the first couple of games, you guys will be okay. <laughs> and then he can come back. But it's it's just it's impossible to tell how you can anoint a guy who had one full season as the starter. And his seasons previous from that was nobody. He was nobody. Let's face it. He was nobody. And right place, right time. And then not to include Dane Evans in there is ridiculous. So I just, I I don't know, maybe Rod wasn't thinking clearly that day or something. I don't know. Or maybe he's just a homer and... Or maybe he just wanted to get on our podcast and know how we trash him. I don't know. I mean, it's just Rod. I mean, he's still, even though he doesn't officially work for the writers anymore, he's still a um, he's still a writer fan at heart. I think so. I mean, absolutely, it's just the way it is. Yeah. And some guys never change, and I don't think Rod is one of those guys. I don't have a big problem with Rod most of the time. I mean, he is a bit of a writer's homer. He is also, I think, a pretty knowledgeable guy when it comes to the CFL. 
but uh, yeah, this, this and, doesn't make sense to me. And I believe that that he is a pretty knowledgeable guy, but then when he anoints this guy the number one quarterback in the CFL, like, I'm sorry, what it's are you smoking? Bait. It's clickbait. Yeah, it is. He's getting all kinds of comments and everything yeah, I mean, else mentioning his show. You know, and I'm not going to say I'm not going to say Cody Fajardo is not going to be better this year because I think he will be better with Jason Moss as his uh, OC. I do too. Because if you if you realize it, Jason Moss has had the number one quarterback in the CFL the last four years running. That's got to say something about him. Because three of those years he had Mike Riley, and the fourth year he had Trevor Harris, and Trevor Harris was leading the league until he got injured. And he was on, he was on, he was going to, if he had played all the games, he would have been 6,000 yards or close to it. Yeah, easily. Yeah. So, just saying. And I mean, there's, you know, the nice thing about the CFL coming up is, whatever it looks like, there's going to be some good quality quarterbacks in the CFL this year. And And it'll be interesting. A couple of years ago, I think it was me that brought it up. It was either last year or the year before. We were looking at the quarterbacks coming into the league, and we it was kind of like, ooh, it doesn't look good. No, that's right. This is a great crop of quarterbacks right now, and they're young for a lot of them. Yeah, it is so. You know, as much as I trash Trevor Harris, he has the talent to win a great cup. He needs an all-star team around him, but he well, can well, win I a great cup. I personally think there's a mental thing with Trevor Harris. So, so do I. Yep. At this okay. point in his career, yeah. He's got all he's got all the tools, and we've seen him blow people out, and then we see the next game where he looks like Marcus Crandall. Sorry, yep. just saying. It's true. But, yeah, the crop of QB quarterbacks right now is just awesome. Yeah, it is. It is. It really is. I mean, you know, I'm looking at, well, you look at Fajardo. You look at Nick Arbuckle if he doesn't get shell-shocked next year. Okay. There's, There's some good guys out there. Dane Evans, he's another one. And these are the youngest of the young. You know, Calgary this year is going to be, it's going to be hilarious in Calgary because they're bringing in five quarterbacks to camp. And, like, wow, I've never seen five quarterbacks in camp. But That's they're, never happened in Montreal. Well, they're yeah, all, what they're, what, they're like what Calgary, I think, is looking for. What Calgary's looking for right now is the heir apparent to Bo Levi. Yep. Because they always start it two or three years ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you kind of have to with quarterback. Yeah. I mean, Montel Cozart has been the backup for the third string guy for three years now or two years. I couldn't tell you what he's like because I've seen that little of him. But they well, resigned him this year. Yeah. yeah. So, but is that because Nick Arbuckle left and they had nobody who knew the system? Other than Bo. So, 
it'll be it'll be quite interesting. I still think, and sorry, Mark, I still think in two years, Winnipeg's going to be in trouble with quarterbacks. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, unless unless uh, what's his name is anything. Well, they brought up a kid from McGuire. I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him play. Right. But they brought up a kid from the States. I was looking at his game films from college. And, of course, it's college, and they all look like they're on their way to the Super Bowl. Yeah. But he's the body size of Strebler, and he can actually throw a football, and he runs. Right. You know, obviously he's a major project right from the get-go. But I could see him sticking around with that kind of skill set. Right. So. You never know. Strebler might show back up. But you never know. Yep. They have to have. But I But I still don't think, and I, and I know Mark might disagree, I still don't think Strebler is the heir apparent. Well, he's not he a good quarterback right now. He, he's not right. a good quarterback right now. No, and I don't know if he ever will be. It's hard to say because I would assume that he thinks first. He thinks first run and then throw the ball or shot put the ball, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but the NFL beat that out of him. That's well, the only yeah, thing that but, might be but, good coming but, out of this. But did the NFL sign him because he's such a good runner? Oh, of course it they did. It certainly wasn't from his passing stats. No, of course they did. You know, the NFL is only about thirty years behind the CFL when it comes to that style of quarterback. Absolutely. Yeah. It goes back to the day of Flutie. Wrong right. body type. Wrong body type. Right. And even if you look, because in the last couple of years, the NFL, you know, with Mahomes, they've kind of convert I mean the the star guys are the guys who can run and throw and they're not six foot five and two hundred and fifty pounds anymore. So yeah. does Strevler even fit into that mold because he's too big to be one of those guys. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. If there is a CFL, oh, did I say that out loud? Whoops. <laughs> it's definitely still an F. Let's hope we get some clarity here at some point. I think they're going to have to. This is something they got to figure out pretty quickly too. I can't. I don't think they've got like more than two or three more weeks before they figure out what they're going to do. Because if they are going to have a season, they've got to. You know, they've got to make plans, and it doesn't happen all at once. So. But uh, anyways, I think you're right, though. But, uh, yeah, Rod's off base on a lot of this stuff. That's not unusual for Rod. He does love the clickbait. Rod does love the clickbait post to get people commenting. Yeah, I'm so surprised he hasn't gone to work for Three Down Nation. Oh, did I say that? Oh, All right, uh, so I think we've gone as far as we can on this one. Uh, So we will move on to the next topic here. So the Lions have made some... um, They've made some upgrades and some changes to their offensive line, which was really a sore point for them last season. As we saw, Mike Riley spent most of his um, 
most of his um, season looking up in the sky after getting knocked down. And, of course, his season ended late after breaking his arm. How he survived as long as he did is a, a modern-day miracle. But uh, they've made some um, upgrades to their offensive line through free agency and so on. God, free agency seems like a long time ago. Anyways, uh, have they done enough to uh, shore up that line to uh, give Mike Riley some more confidence and help? Hey, Charles, tell me who you think right now would be the starting five guys on the offensive line. The Lions starting five? Yep. Let's see here. Well, I would assume Figueroa on the outside Figueroa, and the guy they got. Um, the, and the guy I they remember the guy's name from the guy they got from ha- from Hamilton. Hamilton, yeah. I'm, I'm struggling to remember his name, but I know who you're talking Riker about. Riker Matthews. Figueroa, Riker Matthews. Matthews. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tackle. Uh, Suk Chung will be back on that line. He'll be healthy finally. He was not healthy a lot of the time. He was playing last year. He was playing hurt. And I think that really affected him, so I'm hoping he's going to bounce back this year. Uh, yeah, Riker Matthews, Figueroa, um, Suk Chung is going to be there. Um, Who's the center? Uh, the center is... Um, hold on a second. The center would be... I'm going to guess that this, uh, the center is going to be. I'm just looking. Hold on a second. Uh, okay, so the center will be Hunter Stewart. Uh, it's going to be uh, Figueroa, uh, Hunter Stewart, Suk Chung, potentially uh, Brett Boyko will be there, and uh, the other guy was uh, Riker Matthews. Is Suk Chung Canadian? Yes, he is, isn't he? Yes, he is. And how about the other guy? The guy at center is Boyko is is Canadian, is he not? Uh, Boyko is a Canadian, yeah. And then the other guard is Canadian as well? Yes. Okay. So I'm thinking just with Riker Matthews, they've They've upgraded their line, okay. Yep. And more, more importantly than anything, Kelly, Kel, not Kelly Bates. Kel, what's his name? Kelly Bates. Uh, right. Kelly Bates, sorry, is back as their offensive yeah. line coach, and they're also going to have some pretty experienced offensive coaches. Mm-hmm. So I would think that his protection will be better. And yes, they. I think they've made enough moves to uh, get him so at least he doesn't get sacked ten times in the first two weeks. Yeah. Well, that's the one thing too is that they they've really um, they're going into this season with a far more experienced coaching staff than they did. Yep. The one that um, what's his name uh, put together the uh, the former coach there. Um, Devon Claybrooks. Devon Claybrooks, um, yeah, um, he's come in and um, um, Campbell, Rick Campbell has come in and put together a far more 
experienced coaching staff. Uh, they got uh, Jordan McKismick as the offensive coordinator. You got Jason Tucker as wide receivers coach. And then, of course, uh, Kelly Bates is the offensive line coach. And even with that that uh, that bad, that horrific offensive line they had last year, once Kelly Bates took over midseason after they got rid of the other guy, um, uh, but once Kelly Bates took over, you did see a significant improvement in that offensive line, even with the personnel that they had, the guys that weren't getting it done, uh, earlier in the season. So once Kelly Bates took over, they got better, and I think they're going to be even better now with the changes that they've made. The only thing that might hurt them is it, it takes some time for the offensive line to gel. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, they have to work as a five-man team all the time. And with the shortened season and probably a two-week training camp, yeah, that you know, yes, they... Now. Yes, they are better. They are far better. But could they get any worse than they were at one point? No. I don't know if you could get any worse of an offensive line than what was there at the start of the season. So, yeah, they'll be, but they'll be vastly better. Yeah. It's just going to take some time. And hopefully with the shortened season – because I don't I know mean, how many more hits Riley can take like that. Let's face it. Can they get much worse? No, they can't. What they were last, they were embarrassed. That was literally one of the worst offensive lines I've ever seen. I don't remember seeing a quarterback get so um, harassed. Even when he wasn't getting sacked, he'd be throwing the ball and getting hammered. Over right after and he threw over the ball. and over and over every and he'd be scrambling game. And he'd be getting hit. And uh, Mike Riley was getting hit after hit. And I, I kept saying, oh, that's going to finish him off. That's, somehow he kept getting up. I mean, he wasn't, by the end of the year, he wasn't walking very fast. But, I mean, uh, he was just getting so beat up as the season went along. So, uh, even if they are 50% better, it's going to be a huge improvement on what we had a year ago. You just have to hope Riley hasn't gotten gun-shy. That's the hope. From I the don't beater. think so, because... I don't either, I understand why you say that, but... Yeah. Well, it's probably going to take a few games for him to get, you know, used to and... Um, uh, you know, trusting of his offensive line because he could not have had any trust in that line last year. He, oh, no. he, he knew he was going out there and he was going to get hit uh, before, um, probably before he snapped the ball. He knew he was going to have issues. So um, it's going to be a psychological thing there for sure, I think, for uh, Mike Riley for a little while. Yeah, I just hope he doesn't get the Drew Willie syndrome. Where you look up and somebody's a few feet away from you, and you're like, "Screw this! I'm not getting hit and throwing the ball, just throwing it away." The reason, the reason I don't think that's going to be the case is because he's a far longer, um, far more um, experienced quarterback than Drew Willie ever oh, yeah. was, so he's seen a lot of this before. But I get what you're saying, but I, I, I think Riley is, 
has so much experience that I, I don't see that as a huge concern. I'm not saying there's no ch- chance of that, but I think it's unlikely. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying I think that's what's going to happen by any means, but you know there is that doubt until we actually yeah. see it. But yeah, no, they do that's look that's a lot fair. better on paper. So. Yep. All right. Uh, anybody else have any more on this one? Say the interesting thing about if this is going to be a shortened season, and already, let's face it, training camp's supposed to start three days ago. It is going to be a shortened season. Mm-hmm. Any team can win this if they go on a run. Oh. Yeah, no kidding. Oh. Well, easily. Okay. If it's only an and eighteen that's, and that's regular scary. season. Because I, I think you're going to have a lot of guys up at the top. It, it's going to be interesting. Except Ottawa. They're still going to suck. Um, yes. And, well, depending on how they do it, if they do the East only plays East, West only plays West, yeah. or they scrap divisions and just go with, you know, top six for just for this year because of it. Yeah, then all the West, all these teams are going to lose money because they won't be in the playoffs. So yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? It is, it is. Maybe this is a chance to, because it's going to be a shortened season. Maybe this is a chance to try that out and just do the one, one through nine, no division, just to see what it's like. And if it sucks for the East the way it was, they'll just say, oh, well, that was just a temporary thing. We're going back to regular business, East versus West next year. <laughs> and also, if you think about it. Um, in a shortened season, if one key player gets injured right at the beginning of the year, you're yeah. fucked. Yeah. Because you don't have time to recover. And depending on how they schedule it, especially if it's division versus each other and that's it, if you go on a three-game winning streak, which throughout a season, regular season isn't that long, it's not that huge of a winning streak, but if the other teams that get that are close to you have now lost three games in a ten game or nine game season, yep, that's a six game change. Yep. If the, you go three and zero oh and they go zero oh and three, that's you could huge. easily you could easily to see two things. You could easily see an undefeated team, and you could easily see a team with no wins. An zero and eight team. Easily. Ottawa Red Blacks, I'm looking at you. Yeah, but even Ottawa, all they got to do is go and win two or three straight games. <laughs> all they got to do is right go the two and eight, and they'll be in first place in the East. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> We're the Eastern champions. We won two of our games. We you know, there's so many variables to all this, which is – it goes back to the earlier topic of the CFL and CFLPA getting together. All this stuff has to be, you know, they have to run it by the players, too, what kind of schedule it's going to be. They're not just going to go, okay, here, here's the schedule, good now, go play. Yeah. It's, not... it, it's going to be interesting to see how they do it. I don't want to see a one through nine. I don't want to see that because it, it won't go well. Let's face it. The Eastern teams will be so far back. Ottawa in a sprint. Mm. 
it easily could be over. Yep. Yeah. If Winnipeg loses that quarter of the second game of the season, it could be over. But that's the same thing for every single team. Except Hamilton. Hamilton has two starting quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the next thing, segment seven here. So, of course, Edmonton's got a new, uh, we talked about the Lions coaching changes. Edmonton Eskimos have a new quarterback. So how does the new coach, Scott Milanovich, change the culture of the Eskimos? Beat Calgary. (laughs) It'll be Connor. (laughs) Beat Calgary. Connor on the field. He won't be beating up. Uh, he probably won't be beating up Gatorade jugs. No. Yep. I think you'll you know, see a lot more accountability. I, I, I've never, I've never had a problem with Jason Boss, regardless if he punches uh, Gatorade bottles or not. I, I like, I've always liked him because he's an emotional guy and he plays with emotions. And and you can tell he he coaches the team just like he played the game. And I was watching it, Hamilton in Winnipeg. Yep. On TV. And he has the exact same grimaces and everything else. Everything he did on the sidelines, he did on the field. Yeah. It's just him. Well, and I and I I heard a story from many, many years ago and I can't remember what year it was. Um uh Cal- or sorry, Edmonton came into Calgary in the Western Final. Calgary was up by like 20 points at halftime, and they made a quarterback change. And Edmonton didn't play well in the first half. The receivers were dropping balls, and they were making mistakes. And I can't even remember who their starting quarterback was back then, but they replaced him with Jason Moss and... I've heard from somebody who was part of the team at the time. Jason Moss read the riot act to receivers at halftime and said, if any of you guys drop a fucking ball I throw to you, I'm not going to throw to you anymore. And they were perfect in the second half. And they came back and beat Calgary. So, because they said they were all scared of Jason Moss, which I could understand. But, I have no problem guys playing with emotion. And and I think uh, going back to – I think Scott Milanovic is a lot calmer. I think he's got more experience, and he's a good coach. So it's going to be a different team for sure. And it scares me because they could very easily beat Calgary on a regular basis. We'll see. And there'll be a lot more discipline too, I think. And I think – I think Scott Milanovic will help Trevor Harris. So yeah, because he was yeah, a quarterback. That, yep. So you got to figure the discipline when it comes to penalties will yeah. change a lot too. The on-field yep. discipline will change a ton. I always felt that the the with uh, Jason Moss throwing his fits and getting angry and throwing stuff around, I always felt that that rubbed off on the Eskimos because they always seemed to be a team that had discipline problems. 
Oh, you could almost guarantee they were going to get anywhere from 8 to 11 or 12 penalties every single game. Yep. That's a hundred, you know. It's almost a hundred yards of field position they're giving up every game. Yep. And that's a problem. It's hard to win games when you do that because you're always behind the eight ball at that point. Absolutely. <laughs> that was one of the things that helped the Bombers last year was. They were either the least penalized or second least penalized team, I think, in the league. They just didn't take penalties. And I think that's why you'll see it coming out of Milanovic. Yep. No, I always liked I liked the move, to be honest. Um I think that's well, let's put it this way. Some more sorry, go on. I think they got the best coach that wasn't a coach in the CFL, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's true. Yep, yep. He kind of fell in their lap because a lot of people thought he was going to be back in the NFL. So a lot of yep. people were surprised when he actually left to come back to Edmonton. Yep. Yep. And with Moss leaving, it was time for him to leave yep. anyway. Yes, it was. I didn't see them really improving that much more with him there. This was his team. So it was time. But on the other hand, you know, you say Moss was there for too long. He was there for four years, I do believe. Yeah. Yep. Or five tops. I mean, look at how long O'Shea's been in Winnipeg, and he wasn't that successful. Okay? He wasn't In the first four, four or five years. What was no, that? they started getting better around, I think it was his fourth year, they started getting better. And right. you could see them upticking. But with Edmonton, and you've seen the same thing over and over the four years. Sure, but, I mean, you could go back and say, would, have any, would anything have been different last year if they hadn't have got Zach Kolaris? I... I would they I have won the ring up? I can I partially I agree. I can I can see that side of it very easily. But Nichols also had them in first place. And yes, it was Andrew Harris. But it was still Andrew Harris in the Grey Cup. <laughs> you know, hey, and who threw the first touchdown pass on the Grey Cup? Chris Strebler. Yep. Yeah. You know, um, it, it was just, it was... It worked. So Nichols had them in first place. And they were ticking along. So you can make an argument on either side. Yeah, and we'll never be able to prove otherwise. So No. Yep. But the thing is, I also say, I remember during the playoff run, uh, some very uh, key passes that uh, Zach Caleros made in some of those games. Oh, yeah. That, uh, I'm not sure what passes that Nickel, neither Nichols nor Strebler would have made. Well, Strebler wasn't making them, that's for sure. No. That wasn't going to happen. Strebler is more of a running guy who can – he can get passes. He's reminiscent. I, I still will bring up the comparison of Tim Tebow yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. 
I think there's well, he's and, not a and, great and Mark, but good with his legs. Mark, you remember that pass Zach Galeris made against Calgary, not in the playoffs, but the last game of the year, was it, or whatever it was? Yep. Matt Nichols could never have made that pass. Matt Nichols couldn't have ran away and scrambled like that. Well, well, that's what I mean. He couldn't have scrambled and like I was that just to get open say, to actually, make that Will, pass. I'm yep. glad you brought that up because I was going to bring up that everybody's talking about the Cody Fiardo hitting the upright, and that was what got the Bombers the Grey Cup. Or Darvin Adams running that game, too. That got us the Grey Cup, and this got us the Grey Cup. No, no I think that's that got the Grey Cup. I it agree. It was that touchdown pass. It showed the team. It showed the team that we can do this. It gave them some against Calgary. That they didn't. Yes, it gave them some confidence that they didn't have. Yep, for sure. And <laughs> the bigger thing for any of the bombers that have been there for a while, it was against Calgary. Yep. Who we never beat. You know, it's just not a team we beat ever. We always laugh about that. So it gave them the confidence. One throw. Won them the Grey Cup. And it was in a relatively meaningless game at the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And it showed how good he can be. Oh, yeah. It showed how good Caleros is. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Caleros, when he's healthy, is still a premier quarterback of the CFL. I've never disputed that. No, and Caleros has always been a thorn in the side of Calgary, too. Yes, he has. He's always played well against Calgary. Except the 2014 Grey Cup where they beat him. <laughs> just, though. Just. If it wasn't for an illegal block, they might not have beaten him. That is correct. Yep. I'll never admit that, but... <laughs> The illegal, um, the illegal block that may or may not have been an illegal block. That one, depending yeah. on who you cheer for. That was quite the interesting debate on that one. Oh, I mean, in, in the letter of the law of the rule book, it was an illegal block, but but in football, in, it my, in my mind, it was pretty borderline. And I don't believe that that block that was thrown even had an effect on the actual play. Right. I think without the block, uh, Brandon Brank still takes that for a touchdown. Well, yeah, because the block was basically behind him by the time Banks was was going. Yeah, it was. (laughs) But but it was still an illegal block. It's still a letter of the law. Letter of the law, right? I mean, if you're going to... I, I would assume that if you're going to take a penalty, take it when it's going to change the outcome of, of that play, <laughs> not yeah. after the fact. Okay? Oh. Sorry. Sorry. And, I, right. and I, don't care. I don't care how good a teammate you are. I'm sure everybody hated that guy in the locker room after the game. Oh, yeah. For sure. He was the goat of the night. I'm I'm thinking they didn't go out and celebrate with him much. So probably not. No. No. All right. Well, lucky. We'll go on to the next. Day. Lucky Whitehead was a guy that kind of emerged last year for the Bombers throughout the season. 
Uh, he was a special teams guy and uh, also played at receivers. So uh, he's look, uh, looking forward to uh, getting on the field, whatever that may be. So do you think uh, that Lucky White has, has another gear to put it into uh, coming into this season? Mark, you being the Bombers fan, you probably saw him the most. What do you think? Has he still got some room to improve and get better? You guys might be surprised at the angle I'm going to take here. Lucky Whitehead's going to be lucky to even be a bomber coming out of training camp in a regular season. I am surprised. I'm not. Came, Thank you. Thank he, you, Mark. I don't have to argue now. He came on like a house on fire with his kick returns. He's got speed. He's got NFL speed. But on that big field, the teams eventually changed their angles on him. He lost his job. He got injured, and then he lost his job as a kick returner to Charles Nelson. Mm-hmm. So they put him at receiver, and he did nothing. He had a couple of good catches, one or two good games. At the end of the season, through the playoffs, he was a healthy scratch. They did re-sign him. But we all know what contracts are in the CFL. Um, there's going to be a competition there. He's going to have to up his game if he wants to stay a bomber. There's two other guys. There's Charles Nelson, and there's another guy, I can't remember his name right now, that are just as good and just as fast. And they'll come cheaper. And as a wide receiver, as a wide receiver, I'm not impressed that he can pull a truck. Okay, I'm not impressed at all. No, yeah, really I much. thought that was kind of if weird. They, if, they had him, if they had him out running a horse, I'd be impressed with that, okay? Yeah. But not pulling a truck. I think he did that because Big Hill did it. Well, so what, yeah, okay. though? But I mean, yeah, I know. His job is to be a speedster, not a power runner. Who yep. cares if he can pull a truck? So I really don't know if he's going to stick. He'll well, stick no, and I, I was not. I was not impressed with him last year at all. I mean, everybody was talking about Lucky Whitehead. I don't know if it was because of his name, but I was not impressed. It was the name, the hair, and his first game. He got a uh, kick return for a punt return for a touchdown. Right. And then there was another game. He had two. In one game. The guy has speed. He's got NFL speed. Yeah. No, no, he's fast. But he has speed. Yeah. Now, could he be a project like they did with Brandon Banks? Possibly. I don't see it. But as a kick returner, he's dynamite. Do you you guys know who Michael Klukas is? I've heard the name. I have two, but I'm not sure who he is. He is the fastest player on the Calgary Stampeders. Did he even get in the lineup very much? He's a Canadian wide receiver. Yes, he was in the lineup every game and did absolutely nothing. (laughs) Ran down the field as a decoy. 
it's just like, and, and apparently he's Bo's good buddy, so I think that's probably why he's in the lineup, to be honest with you. <laughs> and he is a he is a UFC dino. He was undrafted, got on the Stampeders practice squad two years ago, made the starting lineup, that, well, made the lineup this year, and he is faster than anything they've ever had. And he's fast for a white Canadian boy, let me tell you. But I don't understand why he's on the team. He fills a Canadian spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they got local. They got lots of Canadian receivers. They got lots of hometown boy. Receivers. Yeah. <laughs> and I would venture to guess him and Sidani will be out this year. Yeah. Because they, they drafted two Canadian receivers. Yeah. And I know they have uh, my buddy's son, but the neat thing about my buddy's son is he can also play third-string emergency quarterback. And that's a good guy to have. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. Colton Huncheck, yes. There you go. Sorry. I was going to say, Charles, you actually asked Will a name? Colton Huncheck. Well, I figured it was his buddy's son. I figured that but it should be able to remember that. Yeah, well, I just haven't said his name lately. I because wrong. I was worried when the when the Stamps drafted a couple of receivers because he was the last pick in the CFL draft last year. But then it dawned on me, he can play emergency third-string quarterback. And um, Dave Dickinson knows him as a quarterback because he went to Dave Dickinson's camps when he was a kid. Ah. And I think that's half the reason Dave drafted him. Because he knew there was some other things as well. And he is not a bad receiver, and I think he'll be better this year. So, who knows? All right, well, we are almost getting to the end of the show. We're down to just under two minutes to go. So we're just. So are we talking about what we're going to do if there's no CFL season? Are we still going to continue to do this? I don't know. We haven't really. We can come on and talk about other stuff. I don't know what. Hey, to drive Christopher nuts, I could just talk about the Bombers winning the Grey Cup every show. Two years in a row, right? Yeah. Yeah, two years running. Defending champions. Maybe we can go back years. and predict last season's games again. Maybe I'll have a better record. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Bombers, not only did the Bombers break the cup, they broke the fucking league. <laughs> yeah, look what happens. The Bombers win the cup, and look what happens. You know, if things uh, go the way some people say, you know, the Bombers could be the last ever Grey Cup champions. That's right. <laughs> yep. I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. But we'll I don't that. either. Yeah. No, neither do I. And I, I would definitely uh, go into a very large depression if that ever happened. But no kidding. Yep. 
All right. Well, we're down to 30 seconds, so we're going to have to say our good night here. This has been Left Fox TFL, episode 4 to 36. Uh, let's go around quickly and say good night. Uh, start with Mark, then Will, then I'll wrap it up. Good night, everybody. Talk to you next week. Hopefully there's a little more to talk about. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you again next week, I'm sure. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Stay safe this week. Hopefully we'll have some more news going forward next week. We'll talk to you next Tuesday.